0: Welcome to the 34th Circe, Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. with us. With us. With us. How about those applause? Welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be doing Classical World at the Movies. Classical World in Hollywood. And today's movie will be the 1956 beautiful drama, Helen of Troy. Uh, We're going to just talk about it, and uh, but if you'd be so kind, as always, be to... Leave a lovely rating or a nice comment on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this. We'd really appreciate it. Now, without further ado, let us welcome our guest of the hour to discuss this movie, the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary.
1: Hi. Glad to be back.
0: That was a round of powerful applause that stopped right on a dime. So, great. So, Gary, let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about Helen of Troy. Why don't you give the viewer, the listener, a little background uh, about the movie and the production?
1: This is a 1955 uh, epic film. And actually, uh, I I bought the uh, videotape of it uh, so I'm going to read you the uh, introduction from the uh, videotape. It's a Warner Brothers film. And um, the film was directed by uh, Robert Wise, who interestingly directed West Side Story and The Sound of Music. So a very uh, capable director.
0: But pretty, he, good resu- pretty good resume, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love both those movies. And um, so here's what it says lavish and exciting with great battle scenes and grand pageantry. And that's quoting a, uh, a movie critic by name of Stephen Uh, uh And then the uh, intro says, arrows rain death, courageous soldiers clamber up stone walls, swords clang, men shout, fires rage. Yet the waves of combatants storming Troy are turned back. To defeat the undefeatable ultimately requires brains as as much as brawn. So the Greeks, feigning withdrawal, offer a gift of treachery, a mammoth wooden horse that secretly houses their fighting men. And since Homer's Iliad surges to screen And Helen of Troy, from the 1950s heyday of big screen spectaculars.
0: So this takes place in the, um, sort of the high point of what they called sword and sandal movies. Uh, These are movies about the classical world, the world in which people were wearing sandals, carrying swords. They were togas, that sort of thing. Um, And there were a lot of films made at this time. We've covered some of them. There was Ben-Hur. There was Spartacus. Um, We talked about uh, Ulysses we covered that as well so we've we've gone through a few of these movies in this era this definitely has that feel it's certainly shot beautifully the the cinematography is beautiful but let's yeah. jump let, let's jump into the movie itself so um, for me what I thought was interesting it opens it gives you a really good historical context i thought for where what's going on what's the setting for yeah, this um, conflict over yes And the map on screen, exactly. Um, And then it jumps into the characters. You sort of were sort of introduced to the characters. So let's talk about those. What did you think um, about the different uh, actors and different characters in this movie?
1: Yeah, first of all, I want to say that this is way back in the 50s. They didn't have uh, CGI then. Mm -hmm. And so this movie actually had 30,000. Extras or thirty thousand people involved in the film that they shot—if you can imagine—unbelievable.
0: It was really—I mean—that I enjoyed because you did get a real flavor of, a, of an authentic um, battle sequence, that sort of thing. Um, so let's you talk about. You can imagine that.
1: they had to make costumes for thirty thousand
0: people. It's
1: just unbelievable.
0: I think I think we talked about how that was a um, that was a lot for that era. Now uh, the and film stars. Uh huh. The
1: movie cost six million dollars, and it, and that was, you know, as this uh, intro says, then huge, cost of six million dollars.
0: Yeah, huge then, not much now, but a lot. Um, so well, that's
1: probably, probably the equivalent of a uh, hundred million today or something. I, I don't know, but, it
0: was, but yeah, we'd have to come up with a dollar amount, but we can say that is that yeah. that is a very large amount for a movie back then. Uh, the characters is Helen of Troy is Rosanna Podesta. What did you think of her?
1: I liked her, and mm-hmm. uh, I think she's beautiful. I think she, in uh, real life, I think she's a brunette, but they made her a blonde.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the scene where um, Paris is lying on the beach after his ship is destroyed, and he wakes up and sees her walking to him through the water, and then he, he thinks she, she's the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of love. I, I thought it was a good scene. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, she's, a, she's an Italian actress and I think interesting about that is uh, you would ask whether she was dubbed now as far as I can tell she, that's her speaking in the film it's a beautiful voice and yeah. she had an extensive voice coach and she didn't really know English she had to learn it line by line so it was um, it's a really... well, she
1: sounded very uh, you know, straightforward English or American she didn't sound Italian at all
0: yeah, it's, it's it's quite a good job in terms of how she, um, you know, how she came off. So, so yeah, I thought she was I thought she was very good too. I thought she was quite good. I thought her acting was good. Um, I, you know, certainly Helen of Troy was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the world. So she certainly is a beautiful actress and carries that. She radiates that kind of beauty. Um, so I thought that was you know it's a it's a good choice uh, in that case. What about Jacques Serna as Paris? Yeah, I I thought he was fine,
1: um, and uh, you know he uh, he was in the movie La Dolce Vita, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, well,
0: yeah, he's that. I mean, he's a that's a well known name for people who, who you know, look at international filmmaking. Um, he's yeah, he's, he's he's a very familiar actor, um, and yeah, he's he did a he did a good job. You know, the uh, without question, I would say the casting of this was good. It was a. a all people, solid actors, turning in solid performances. Um, and I thought his Paris was very good. Stanley Baker plays Achilles. What did you think of him? He's not, he's not a, really in there. I mean, he is in... He's in it, but not likes, that much. Not um, that much.
1: And then the thing is, uh, he had black hair, and uh, Homer makes it clear that Achilles had uh, you know, blonde hair, golden-haired Achilles.
0: Well, it's interesting because I thought that with Paris in the reverse because Paris was made to have blonde hair in this film, even though I've never seen him shown as anything other than black hair. So they made clearly some choices in how they wanted their characters to look. Yeah. Um, But Stanley Baker was a
1: one-note pony. And, of course, Brad Pitt in the movie Troy uh, was focused upon, but I think he made a better uh, Achilles.
0: Well, it was interesting. I mean, they decide they made a really interesting choice about Achilles. They kind of, it's it's almost a not quite a mockery, but they do kind of you know undercut his his gravitas. They sort of make him this hypersensitive, super vain character, which we know from our study of the Iliad, which uh, the listeners will know, having gone through our our course on the Iliad, so to speak, um, that Achilles was not exactly a nice guy. He certainly no. wasn't a um, a lovable character, but but he was without question. He had a, everyone feared him. He had a gravitas as, as a fighter, as a warrior. Well, he's supposed to be the greatest uh, warrior, undefeatable. And it made in this film that you just didn't get that feeling. You just got the sense that he was just a a vain guy who who you know who was out on the battlefield. So I thought that was an interesting choice. Um, what about um, Odysseus now, as
1: he enters the uh... Uh, throne room of Menelaus Mm -hmm. in Sparta Um, Agamemnon says and here comes the man who blows his own heart you know meaning yeah Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and exactly it's I mean you would really not say that in front of Achilles you know he's one of that that's what I I thought it was very odd that they kind of diminished him Um, but with Odysseus they certainly seem to be that's a favorable portrayal I would think. You know, it makes him seem... Well, it was okay. I I didn't
1: really like the guy who portrayed him.
0: Well, I don't mean the acting. I mean, the way it was written. It certainly makes you... You're supposed to take him seriously. He's an accomplished man.
1: This is like that in the Iliad, yes.
0: Yeah. And in this film, he he comes up that way. I didn't mind the portrayal. It's just a little kind of old-fashioned, but, you know, it's fine. It's fine. There's a very young Bridget Bardot in it as well, as Andraste.
1: Very much so. And uh, that's before she became the sex symbol.
0: Yeah, um, she was just a kid, more or less, you know. Yeah. She's, and uh, she was
1: she was a servant to uh, Helen.
0: It's certainly because we would expect her to play Helen, but of course, that's the later Bridget Bardot. Oh, no, she she would, she couldn't
1: have portrayed Helen at that point.
0: Not at that point, but I, that's what I'm saying. We would yeah. think of her as being the person who would play Helen, but not... And then Helen. at
1: the end of the film, Helen gives her freedom because she's a slave, you know, and... Yeah, I thought that was a nice, nice. Yeah, uh,
0: very, nice. very uh, unusual, very unusual. How about Hector? What did you think of that character? I didn't
1: like him. Uh, he was, he just looked too old to me, and uh, I, I just didn't care for him at all.
0: They yeah. Actually, they all looked too old to me, with the exception of Paris. Paris and, and Helen looked about the right age. But, yeah. I mean, Odysseus, I thought, he already looks like he's in his 50s. I mean, if he's got another 10 yeah, years yeah. after that... He's not gonna make it back home. So it was a really weird way yeah, exactly. to cast the character. Um Yeah, and Hector was too wooden. I mean, it was just so yeah. wooden. It was a real Very odd, mad. odd choice. Um all right, what about um you know,
1: uh, what what's his name? I'm blank on his name, and Troy did a better job by far. Eric
0: Banna. Eric yeah, Bana. Eric Bana. Um What and about then, uh, uh-huh, And then King
1: Prime was played by um Sir Cedric Harwick. He, mm-hmm. And um, he played the, uh, said he the first, uh, the Pharaoh, the, the father of Yobrenner in the Ten Commandments. So he, uh, he had a lock on playing these kingly roles. You know?
0: Yeah, he the go-to guy for sword and sandal films. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was fine. It was just that you're, you're by numbers king character. There was nothing, you know, he just was... He had enough regalness and seriousness, but nothing more to him. Um, but,
1: I, but I thought the girl who portrayed uh, Cassandra was good. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and she was begging him, you know, uh, to don't let Paris go and everything. And uh, she uh, was given the gift of prophecy by Apollo. Mm-hmm. And in Greek uh, mythology... Apollo came to her when she was in his temple, worshiping at Troy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted to rape her, really, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greek gods, you know, don't have the same morality by any means as the Christian God. Um, and she rejected him. So what he did is he, uh, you know, this is kind of gross to me, but he he spat into her mouth. And he said, "Now you have the gift of prophecy, but you're cursed and no one will believe
0: you." And just for the listener, that does not show up in the movie. None of no. that, but that's the historical. No, background. but she's not. The mythological background, I should
1: yeah, say. Yeah, she's not believed, and uh, you know, both her father and mother, you know, think that she's just mentally ill, basically.
0: Yeah, and that's the way it's played in the movie. So that was definitely good. Um, and when the Trojan horse
1: comes in and they talk about bringing it into the city. She begs them not to, you know. Uh, and uh, she actually says uh, the line, you know, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. Well, let's... Uh, and uh, uh, that's, that's not the way it was in the uh, Homeric story, you know. In the, it was... And uh, in, in the overall um, story of the Iliad, there was a... Uh, Trojan priest called Lacoan And he is the one that went up. He actually threw a spear into the wooden horse. Got a reaction from Odysseus and his commandos hiding inside. Uh, but, you know, not enough to, uh, you know, so they knew that there were men inside the horse. And he told them to destroy the horse. And, and he came up with a line Beware the Greeks bearing gifts. But they put that line in the movie.
0: Well, we'll talk a bit about the uh, the story. In fact, why don't we jump into that? What did you think about how the story was told in this? I mean, I thought it was. I thought they made. I thought they included the the greatest hits, the high point of the Iliad.
1: Yeah, they 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 took some
0: liberties, but it was. I thought you know. Well, they took
1: liberties, like when um, Paris goes to Menelaus' uh, throne room. Because he wants to present a a Trojan uh, offer of peace and so on. Um, And he's basically because uh, he was washed up on the beach, he lost all his regal clothing and everything. Uh, They didn't really believe him. But eventually, in order to believe him, because they said, uh, Menelaus says uh, he heard that Paris was good with the cestus. The cestus is a. Boxing glove that has metal inside of it, so you can imagine it can really do a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. And they have a, uh, and then he fights with Ajax of all people, and he overcomes Ajax, which is unlikely in re- re- real life. But um, that's not part of the Iliad story. But and neither is a A used by the ancient Romans, but not by the Greeks.
0: Yeah, it's an unusual liberty there. It seems like in any time we go through. These film um, adaptations of the Iliad or the Odyssey, the screenwriters feel they have to put something of their own, some touch of their own in it. When I think you and I both agree that Homer has provided you more than enough, more than enough to be able to create your own and weave your own tapestry out of it. So, oh, yeah. um, so that was that was an odd. Uh, you know, choice when you have all this material from Homer already. But, you know, what I thought was interesting was about the definite slant of this production, the Trojans are shown as very honorable. They're shown as sort of the, they want peace, they're trying to, you know, trying to do the right thing. Um, Even the way Helen comes to be with Paris, she's not abducted, she's not forced, she doesn't leave, she just, in, in order to save him, has to go along with him. He saves her because she was saving him. So all of these things give us this sense in this film that it's the Trojans who are the the honorable ones who are under siege from these conniving, greedy Greeks. The Greeks are definitely shown in the negative light in this film. Yeah. So it's, well, it's I think it's you...
1: basically where the whole marriage story uh, goes. You know, uh, the Trojans come off as as uh, more uh, ethical. Um,
0: it's interesting, and, uh, though, but in, in the story, at least you get a sense of the grandeur of these. There's, In other words, in this story, the Greeks, there is no... Achilles has a grandeur even though he's basically a jerk. Odysseus has that same sort of sensibility, he, although yeah. you know, he's wily, but you don't really feel that. It really just feels like a bunch of thugs just finding a way to go take them, you know take the prize from Troy. So that I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah, on, the, on
1: the positive side about the production, uh, the architecture was basically, uh, you know, Bronze Age Greek with mm-hmm. uh, columns that tapered from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And some of them painted red and so on. Uh, that is realistic. Um, the um, But the costumes... Were basically classical Greek, and they, they weren't always good. You know, like Paris is mm-hmm. wearing a tunic tied at the shoulder, and it looked kind of cheesy, really. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, it's. Uh, I think we found you. You point this out a lot. I think we find that it's. It might simply just be, either hard to, hard for these productions to really dig and find the, the real look. It, they also might be a sense of they think that it's a more glamorous look to go with the classical era. Perhaps that's part of it. Yeah. Um, so, um, what else in terms of comparison, in terms of authenticity, anything else you have to say on that?
1: Well, just the uh, armor in the most part and so on just wasn't uh, authentic to the Bronze Age. But, you know, they probably didn't know that much about the Bronze Age back in the 1950s as they
0: do mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, um, you know, and uh, that whole... Uh, sequence of, like you say, how uh, Paris rescues her and she rescues him and all that sort of thing. That was all fabricated, you know, but mm-hmm. it, I thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah, there are these interesting other alternate um, stories of what Helen and Paris, how they end up, you know, do they end up in Egypt, all these different things. There are these different legends about it. So that's interesting. I mean, the, they could have gone with a lot of those different choices. Um, what were the scenes that stuck out for you? Which scenes did you like or did you not like? Well, the like?
1: initial uh, assault on Troy was spectacular. I mean, you had those 30,000 men out there, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they're coming up to Troy and Priam and uh, you know, uh, Paris and all, and, uh, and other, Priam's other sons and so on aeneas you know your, uh, mm-hmm. your favorite one aeneas. exactly i
0: forgot to bring him up actually thank you for reminding me because he does get they they do give aeneas some real screen time in that i just wish they had pointed out what his importance to the no, whole he, he
1: keeps saying the paris destiny paris destiny yeah
0: yeah, uh, yeah. No, aeneas. Uh,
1: but anyhow when coming up uh, here they took liberties again they had the greeks having catapults and siege towers on giant wheels that would roll up and and had you know uh, uh, you know like a drawbridge type thing that would come down from the tower to, on the walls of Troy mm-hmm. and they didn't have that in Bronze Age Greece uh, and then uh, it shows the Trojans repelling them and setting those siege towers on fire, and then they crashed to the ground and everything, and uh, you know that initial assault on Troy was very spectacular, I thought.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was good. My actually, the the scene that stuck out most for me uh, was the when they take the Trojan horse into the city and they have a feast. And I thought they did that really, really well. I mean, that this sort of build up this sense of, you know, because that it's such a famous story, we know what's going to happen, and so to watch them feasting and celebrating and enjoying their lives and actually, it
1: almost looked like they're having an orgy. I mean.
0: Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, it was a very wild... Men are um,
1: picking up girls, and girls are kissing them, and they're carrying them off, and you know, they're running around, and they're, all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible. And then, of course, you know, the end is near. Um, and
1: then they all get drunk and fall asleep, and then... I thought it was an interesting scene where they just show one guy and one girl, and she's playing the diolos, the double flute, and just kind of wist, wistfully playing it, and then they wander off. And after that... This uh, Odysseus opens the trap door of the horse and the belly and the underbelly and uh, throw down a rope, and they slide down the rope, and then they go open the gates, and uh, they go to the walls and kill guards, and they signal with a torch, you know, the, the uh, Greek army to assault. And the scene where it shows the Greeks pouring through the gates with chariots and men running in was very uh, spectacular, I thought.
0: I agree, I agree. What I didn't think was done well, uh, we may disagree on this one, I do not like the fight scenes. I did not like the fight scene between Paris and Ajax. I thought it was pretty, it's it's not well done. Um,
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And uh, I didn't even really like the fight scene between Achilles and Hector. I just thought, mm, you know, it was a very... Well, I
1: initially did. Initially, I thought it was better than the the one with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana because they... uh, Hector comes out in a chariot and Achilles comes out in a chariot and in the movie Troy you know, um, Brad Pitt just drives up slowly and his chariot gets off and yells out Hector and in uh, of Troy you know, Hector rushes out of the gates of Troy at Achilles and Achilles rushes him and then they attack each other from the chariots for a while until they knock each other off and then they fight on foot. Uh, I, I I thought that was a Good way to do the battle, the, the famous climatic duel.
0: Well, I mean, it's an interesting way to set up. I just don't think the actual choreography was any good. So, um,
1: but yeah, some of the, you know, the uh, one-on-one uh, blows, I, I would agree.
0: Yeah. Well, let's kind of let's kind of wrap up. Um, what's your overall take of the film? How many? You know, typically we give it uh, shields. We give it one to five shields. What would you give this film in terms of one to five Shields?
1: Uh I give it three and a half to four.
0: I am with you. I give it three and a half shields. I mean I think it's it's certainly watchable. I mean if somebody wants to watch a version of the Iliad, uh I think that's it certainly worth it. If you got a lazy Sunday afternoon, you can watch it. It moves quickly. Uh Helen is beautiful and that's because it's about Helen of Troy. I think she's portrayed well. I thought he's trade well it's so it's well done but it's it's of its era it's a 1950s film yeah and um, it, you know,
1: it has it has dated sensibilities in it
0: yeah and some things are lacking but overall um, yeah I give it about three and a half shields so with that let us thank our dr Gary stickle thank you Gary thank you and thank you all for listening this has been the 34 Circe Salon, this is the Parallax. We have been doing the classical world at the movies. Helen of Troy from 1956. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you all for listening, and God bless.